Make their Christmas unforgettable with goat guns. Looking for the perfect gift for your husband or man who is a gun lover? Look no further. Goat guns are the greatest gift of all time miniature gun models. They are the perfect blend of quality and detail. From pistols to rifles, there's a goat gun for every collector, history buff, or gamer. Whether for display or for a fun collecting hobby, goat guns will bring joy and excitement to him. Surprise your loved ones this Christmas with a goat gun, the ultimate gift that won't disappoint. Shop at goatguns.com. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Samira Moynpour about how to scale OKRs in large, complex organizations. Samira Moynpour, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me, John. It is a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for joining me and taking time out of your busy schedule to join me. In fact, we had to do a little bit of of rescheduling and shuffling to make this happen. I appreciate your flexibility. Today, we're going to be talking about how to scale OKRs in large, complex organizations. Uh, OKRs are hard any time. (laughs) It's hard to identify the right things and to focus on them and to really hold people accountable. Um, But the larger the organization, the more complex the organization, the harder it becomes to do that in a really consistent kind of a way that's going to drive value for the organization and help your people drive value in the market. Uh, So this is what we're going to be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Samira's bio with everybody. Samira is VP of Customer Success at Workboard, Inc. She leads the customer success team at Workboard and is perhaps the most experienced OKR coach anywhere. She helped hundreds of organizations tailor the OKR process to their culture and align on outcomes. She has coached over 1,000 teams to set and align OKRs, and she is a member of the Results Foundry faculty and works directly with Microsoft, Cisco, Reliance, Workday, and other large enterprises. She has a bachelor's degree from the University of California, Santa Cruz, and has lived and worked in Spain. Again, a pleasure to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background, personal context before we dive on into the conversation today? Oh, thanks again for having me. I'm I'm super excited to be here. It's going to be an awesome discussion based not just on my experiences, but the experiences our customers have had and a bunch of yeah. best practices. Hopefully our listeners can uh, 
bring to their own worlds. Excellent. And I really do love the richness of your experience with a variety of organizations and teams. Uh, this is a challenging thing. It, it's something that comes up all the time <laughs> when, I, when I'm consulting with organizations and working with teams. Sure. It's just a really hard thing to do well. So I, I'm really excited to pick your brain on this. Um, so let's start uh, just with a real quick definition. It just occurred to me that perhaps not everyone listening understands what OKRs are. So if you can just really quick define that for us, and then we can uh, talk a little bit more about some of the common challenges. You know, what what do organizations, generally speaking, in your experience, what do they get right? What do they get wrong with OKRs in their organizations and teams? Great. So OKRs, objectives and key results, are a management framework for aligning the entire organization on the outcomes it's looking to drive. It was actually started at Intel um, with Andy Grove, and it the objective, the O in the OKR, stands for the statement of intent. What is the team trying to achieve? And the KRs are the key results. What are the outcomes we're looking to drive together as a team? The, I would say, structure of OKRs is slightly different than typical or maybe historical management models that many of us have experienced in prior lives where they are team-based and almost often team-based. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, teams can be fluid, right? That might be a manager plus directs. That might be cross-functional teams, but they're, it's groups of people coming together to align on what great looks like. And often your objectives and key results have a shorter time horizon. So the objective might be long-standing. You might have the same objective for the next year. But the key results often are bound to the quarter or a timeline that works for your team. They're shorter iterations aligned to outcomes, and then you iterate. And it's a it's about learning, right? It's uh, not so much do we set the right objective and set the right key result. Of course, we want to have that conversation. But is this still in alignment with what we're trying to achieve as a business, given how fast the world um is moving and changing today. So that's a little bit about OKRs. Yeah. And, and can I double click on that point? Sure. I, that's so important. So let's say you do all the hard work of trying to like find alignment and trying to figure out what the right things are, right? Are those right things today going to be the right things a month from now, six months from now, a year from now? Maybe, but probably not. Like things shift very rapidly and the rate and pace of change is, is just increasing exponentially. So we have to be flexible. We have to be agile. I love the approach that you were just sharing, you know, around, you know, looking at this from a developmental standpoint, from an experimental standpoint, let's, let's uh, try something. It doesn't need to be perfect. Let's align as much as possible. Doesn't need to be perfect though. And then let's iterate rapidly so that we can get better alignment as we go. And that will allow us also to pivot as we go, because inevitably things are going to change, right? Inevitably. No one no one can predict what's going to happen 12 months from now. People can try. They can try their best. But really, none of us know what's going to be true on September uh, 2023 in this particular case. We just don't know. And so uh, this gives teams a common language and organizations a common language to get aligned in the first instance. Like, let's agree on what great looks like for this time period in alignment with our broader organization strategy, right? It shouldn't be disjointed from that. The reason we want to do and set OKRs in the first instance is not so we can have yet another acronym in our organization. I mean, every company has plenty of those. We don't need yet another. It's how do we actually execute on the strategy and the strategic priorities that we're driving 
that are set at the company level, at the leadership team level, at whatever level in the organization, but how do we make sure and drive a little bit more certainty that that actually happens and everyone knows how they connect to the broader picture of the org? Yeah. Yes. That piece, everybody knows how they connect, right? It's one thing to have these nice conversations and leadership meetings, executive meetings, and you identify all of this, right? And you may even have a meeting where you communicate it or you send out that memo or the email or whatever. Do people actually know how they connect back? Is that consistently communicated over time? Is it a constant evolving dialogue? And is there constant transparency and communication around the process? Right. That is where I think, you know, I asked about what organizations are getting right and wrong. And that's one of the things I see in terms of how organizations, regardless of their best intentions, how organizations and leaders often get it quite wrong. Um, they, they, they might put the right frameworks in place. They might have a lot of those great conversations up front, but then people just don't know how they connect with it as things move along and as things evolve. Yeah, definitely. I would say just to double click on that or to build on that, every organization, whether we like it or not, the reality is it's shaped a little bit like a pyramid today. There's fundamentally very few people at the top of the organization. And as you go within the organization, uh, volume increases. So there might, there's one CEO in most organizations. Sometimes there's co-CEOs, but we don't need to get into those details, right? There's one CEO, CEO has a set of directs and then it multiplies. So their directs have another set of directs. Their directs have another set of directs. And so if you uh, only take the first three layers, let's say of a 10,000 person organization, that's only a 1% of the org. Like if you just align the leadership team, great. It's probably what you've been doing for the last 15 years. It's really how do we engage all 10,000 people in what the strategy is, bring everyone on board, and then align going forward. MIT came out with data, not new data at this point, it's actually from 2018, um, where they surveyed a set of companies and they asked the employees in those companies, do you know what the company's strategy is? This is in 2018, so pre-pandemic, when everyone's still in the office, co-located. And not surprisingly, the data they they got back was um, fundamentally no, no one understands what the strategy is. And the data behind that was there is a decay rate in the understanding of the strategy. So at the senior most leadership team, top, top team, only half, can name what the strategic priorities are. If only half of your topmost team can understand what the strategy and the strategic priorities are and, and how they align, of course it's like a bad game of telephone all the way down. And the data they have is that 78% of senior executives cannot name the strategic priorities and then it goes to 87% of frontline teams um, cannot name what the strategy is. And so this data is from 2018, four years yeah. ago, point, pre-pandemic, when we were all together, co-located right. in those cases. <laughs> Trickle-down strategy wasn't working then, when plans and annual plans were probably relevant and ch- there was less change at that time. We thought there was lots of change at that time, but nothing compares to what uh, the change we're going through now. And so if that was the case when you were all co-located as an organization and the world is changing even faster now, the problem of getting everyone aligned and making sure everyone understands what the strategy is is getting worse, not better, which means every organization needs to be um, more explicit in how do they align everyone? How do we get everyone on board and make sure that our people are working on the right things day to day? And then 
for the people side, it's like people want purpose for their work. People want to know why the why of their work, not just I'm going to go complete 10 items in a backlog. Like, okay, what impact does this have? And then they can uh, connect and see that all the way back up to the the top of the organization. So that's, sorry, go ahead. Absolutely. And those statistics are staggering, right? But even, and I want to highlight, you know, my experience with leadership teams is even when, you know, there's so many of that executive leadership team that can't fully articulate what those uh, those core uh, values are, what the core purpose is, what the core objectives of the organization are, the strategic pillars. So many can't really truly articulate them, but even those who can kind of rattle them off, a lot of times there's just different interpretations. And so there's not actually clear alignment with what right. they're rattling off and how they want to enact it versus say the CEO or other senior leaders. And so of course you have this, this really, the telephone analogy is a really great one because you have this poor game of telephone all the way down. Of course you do, because people all have their own perceptions and understandings around what those things are. So if they even know about them in the first place, they're going to, it's then going to be filtered through all these imperfect humans who may have the best intentions, but, but they just can't, they just can't get it down the line all the way down to the frontline employees usually. Uh, And so when I talk to, it's so interesting when I go and talk to a senior leadership team, for example, and, and we talk about these things and yeah, you know, they're saying the right things. I'm like, okay, you're, 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 you're thinking strategically about all these things that need to happen. I might hear all the right things from them, but the best sign of whether or not they're being effective is not talking to them. It's talking to the frontline employees. (laughs) Yeah. And do they actually have alignment? Any... Is, that's table stakes fundamentally. Yes. Yes. And, <laughs> but talking to frontline employees, now I'm getting the real sense of like, okay, what's the actual day to day, the the common understanding, common vernacular, common like pressures that they're facing and how they're responding to them. And how does that align? That's where the rubber meets the road and where I really have a sense of what's happening. And that's where like you said, most people have no idea, or they might only at the the most abstract high level kind of idea of what those things are and not in any truly meaningful way that's going to help impact how they do their work. Absolutely. No, and there isn't a common language today for marketing and finance and engineering and supply chain to all talk to each other in one way. It's like, I don't, I'm not in marketing. I don't know marketing speak, or I'm not in finance. And so OKRs provides this common language um, for teams to all line. I would say that in, in going back to your question, like what goes right, what goes wrong, but tying it back to this, I mean, there's quite a few things that go right and wrong. Where you can go wrong in an organization is one, you bring OKRs and you think of them as just yet another process and the organization uh, internalizes it as yet another process that they need to do in addition to their day-to-day work. When the company feels, or when anyone in the company feels, oh, I have to learn yet another acronym, We've started off on the wrong foot, right? This OKR shouldn't be additive to folks' day-to-day. It should be the way that we execute. And that comes in multifold. One is have a strong communications plan in the front end. Like, why are we doing this? Well, we're going to use this mechanism on aligning on objectives and key results because we're driving this transformation strategy. You know, whatever it might be, almost every company is transforming in some way right now, and they need to be more explicit in how they get aligned. Then once we've actually set the objectives and key results, another thing that commonly goes wrong is we set them and then we just forget them. We put them in a spreadsheet. 
We put them in a PowerPoint. We put them in the same systems, if you will, that we have been for the last 20 years, and it doesn't become part of our day-to-day. And so where, obviously, where Workboard comes in is people can actually see what the objectives and key results are, and then they embed them into their operating rhythm, whether it's their weekly staff meetings, their quarterly business reviews, their monthly operating reviews, and they're focusing on those outcomes weekly. When and if you don't focus on the outcomes weekly, it's really uh, common to learn how fast a quarter flies by. For most organizations outside of sales, they don't have a quarterly cadence, right? And so the speed of 12 weeks really can get you if you're not looking at those outcomes. And if you're not looking at the outcomes, you'll be lucky if you achieve them. So it's really important to embed it into the day-to-day um, of your work. And it, it should probably replace some of the existing uh, ways of working that you're you're going about today. That's a pretty common yeah. dynamic we see. Yeah, absolutely. And let's let's highlight also. I, I want to get into how we go about scaling OKRs because you know it's it's hard enough when you have like a small, a relatively small team. Say you have you know ten employees, a couple dozen employees, fifty employees, even you get up to hundred employees or so. It's one thing to be fairly clear on strategic pillars and OKRs and alignment and those sorts of things. But you start to get up to 500 employees, 1,000 employees, 10,000, tens of thousands, right? Now, all of a sudden, it's such a huge, complex organization, and there's more layers, and the filtering process gets even more diluted, right? And that that game of telephone gets even longer, right? So how do we go about um, carrying this out in really large, complex organizations to help us really drive the types of results that we want? Yep. I would say... um... But before I answer that question, I'll say there's a common uh, perception that going slow and figuring it out is helpful for an org. So I'm just going to start with the leadership team, and then I'm going to scale it to the rest of the 10,000 people in the organization. And when you do that, when you decide that as a leader or as you know whoever's making that choice, you need to remember that you're actually putting up yet another wall around what you need everyone in the organization to align to. And so my my big thing is trans, big on transparency, big on transparency. You can't do that again in the same way that we've been doing in the past. So big there. In terms of scaling to a 10,000 person organization, I, there's a couple of piece parts, right? One is how do we think about the change management? And that can sometimes be a um, you know scary word for some, but fundamentally it is change in how we're working. So how do we think about the mindset shifts within the organization? What's our foundation for change? What are we going to do? How do we drive the communications? How do we build communities? How do we enable folks in understanding what a good objective looks like, what a good set of key results look like, and shift from a traditional output mindset of we're going to get these things done to outcomes? What is the result of getting those things done? And so there's comms, change management around that. And then there's three parts, I would say, to um, driving the change as well. One is, how do we get aligned? So the strategy alignment in itself, that's the process of setting the objectives and key results with every team. Then it's digitizing um, the business reviews and the operating rhythm and the 
a weekly focus to make sure it's aligned to those objectives and key results. Now, the way you do that is a combination of enabling coaches within your own organization and with Workboard, as an example, there's in-app coaching, like use technology, right, to scale it, just like every other process you have in your organization, whether it's how you answer tickets um, or, you know, how you manage your Salesforce pipeline, your sales pipeline, how you manage your marketing leads. There is a, a digital way that helps you scale as a leader, as an organization, and how we're going to get aligned. And then, then you get the data of, ooh. These were the right objectives. These are the right key results. Here's where we're focusing. Here's where we're not. Here's where we're aligned. Here's where we're not. And use the data to get smarter. If we, if it's, a, if there's a 10,000 person organization, I'm just using 10,000 as a proxy. And let's say there's 10 people on every team. That's a little generous, right? Maybe closer to seven, but let's say 10 for simple math. That's a thousand teams that you need to align every quarter. Now, the thought of doing a thousand teams in a quarter, there's only 12 weeks in a quarter, right? We'll spend the whole 12 weeks aligning. And so making sure you're clear on everyone needs to be aligned by week two of the quarter. So we have the next 10 weeks to go execute on those outcomes. And at the end of the quarter, we're going to reset, refocus. We're going to learn and go again is also a cadence that you're looking to drive. That's fundamentally impossible to drive in in spreadsheets. Um, So different ways to scale. And I'm happy to dig into any of those as well. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. And like you said, we're, we're just scratching the surface here. There's so much more that we can go into on this. And this is why you coach and consult with organizations and teams on this very topic all the time, because it is complicated. There, I mean, no matter what we say here today, this is just like a primer kind of introductory note so people can explore this more extensively because it's complex. It's 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 a hard, really hard, complicated thing. Everything we've talked about and the challenges we pointed out those are not easily resolved uh, issues. Uh, everyone's going to have to face them. So I just wanted to to reiterate that point, I think. And I, p- I appreciate what you shared uh, up to this point in the conversation, because I think it's been super, super helpful. So I, I one thing to that, sure, yeah. it's hard. Um, it's change to an organization, change depending on your organization's maturity and Maybe you're a hundred year old organization. We work with some of those that have been around forever. Like there's legacy processes, legacy mindset. Often, if you're a change agent in your organization, you're going to come across a bunch of people that don't want to change. So to all the change agents out there, have the fortitude to drive the change. Find your early adopters, your innovators and visionaries, use them as data and evidence because no matter what organization you work with, the mass majority of people are more pragmatic and conservative, which means they just need more data to get on board with the change. So that's my note to all the change agents. And then the other thing I'll say is, um, yes, it's hard, but outweigh, like if we don't change what will happen to our organization, if we don't change the way that we're going to align on the strategy and execute on the strategy, then what? Like if we can't get everyone aligned, what will happen? Well, your organization, your organization, your industry is probably already getting disrupted in some way. And so, you know, on the extreme sense, it's fundamentally like, will our company and will our offerings be around? Right. And will, will you even be relevant? Right. Will you be re- exactly. 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 And so think about what happens if you don't change for those who are like, Ooh, where do we start? Should we start? Eh, maybe we don't need to like, don't think about whether we start or do. Okay. It's fun. I don't, we don't care if you call it OKRs, ABCs, one, two, threes, peaches and pencils, like doesn't matter what the <laughs> name is, like having the common way to align, right? And, and think about what happens if you don't have that, the absence of that, 
and what might happen to the organization as well. Yeah. And, and maybe I'll just reiterate one point you were making a few minutes ago. And that is that this is something we just have to start and we have to lean into yeah. and it's not going to be perfect. So let's oh. learn, learn as we go. You're going to build the plane while you're flying it. You're going to iterate yeah. rapidly. And so I, I'm thinking as you were talking about, you know, people who just think, go it slow, take your time, make sure you get all your ducks in a row. That's a super common mentality. And there's, there's one particular senior executive that I've been working with who that's been a real struggle because that's definitely his approach, his personality. Uh, he's very analytical and data-driven, which is good. I mean, it's good to, to be deliberate. Yeah. It's good. It's good to be thoughtful. It's good to be data-driven, but things are complex. They're messy. We're never going to ha- have all the data. We're never going to ha- have all the variables. We're, we have to figure it out as we go. And, and if, if you're waiting to get everything perfectly understood before you take action, you're going to you, the boat's going to leave without you, right? The train's going to depart the station and you're, you're not going to, you're going to be playing from behind and catch up the entire time. And so I'm thinking yeah. of this one particular individual who's really struggling with just moving the ball forward um, because he's kind of stuck in this mode of just like wanting to be, really thoughtful, deliberate, and making sure he's making the right decisions. It's okay. Like, let's create a culture where we can experiment and iterate rapidly. And it's okay if things that we're trying don't work out or pan out exactly the way we want. If we have a learning culture, then that's just part of the process, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Getting just start and getting started is advice. I always give. like, people always ask me, where should we start in our organization? Do we need to start at the CEO level? Where should we start? How should we think about it? How deep and wide do we go on, on day one? My advice is always just start, right? And I have, I have explicit answers for those, but just start and start with a group or maybe if you are the CEO's chief of staff, yes, please start with the leadership team at the CEO level. If you're someone a few levels within the organization and you're maybe um, working for a GM of a business unit. Start there, like just start, just begin the conversation and and get it rolling. Completely agree. Just get it going, get the process started. Well, Samira, it has just been a real pleasure having this conversation with you today. Like I said earlier, we've just scratched the surface. There's so much more to talk about, but I appreciate all the insights you've shared with me and my audience today. Before we wrap things up for today and before I let you get off to your busy day and and, and uh, do all the things you need to do, I wanted to give you a chance to share with my audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I've, yeah, we barely scratched the surface. And as you might be able to tell, I um, get quite excited about this topic and could talk about it for hours on end. So if anyone wants to talk about it more, has questions or uh, needs advice on how to get started or, or needs a better way, you can reach out to uh, me, Samira at workboard.com, visit workboard.com, our website as well, or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to get you the help that you need and support you on this journey. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Samir. It's been a pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Samir can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support.
Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.